We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. Join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. And we're coming to the end of an era, aren't we, Brother Brandon? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. You know, we we started this podcast a, a little over a year ago now, when it was me and, and Brother Rob and Brother Brandon was also very instrumental in that, uh, making many guest appearances on it until we could finally yeah. rope them into it. You know, <laughs> uh, But we started off focusing on the book of James. Mm-hmm. And now a little over a year later, we are coming to the end of an era, the end of the book of James yeah. as we record this episode right here, right now. But brother Brandon, it's a pleasure to record another episode with you as always. So go ahead, introduce yourself and introduce us to the topic at hand today. Well, thank you, Brother Chris, for that introduction, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. As Chris already noted, we are going to be at the end of this great letter of James, and we want to thank all of you who have been listening to this exposition and our discussion of the letter of James from the very beginning, and this is the conclusion. We're going to look at the last two verses of the letter of James, which is James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. And we're going to talk about wandering believers Mm -hmm. and what we can do to get those wandering believers back into the sheepfold. And that's just something that happens to us from time to time. Sometimes believers lose their way and they wander from the truth. But there is something we can do to help those wandering believers return. And there's something we can do to keep from being wayward ourselves. And that's what James talks about in this passage where he talks about the believer's duty to save the straying Christian. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go ahead and read that whole passage of scripture and jump right in. James chapter five, verses 19 through 20. Here's what he says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins Mm -hmm. what a fantastic ending to the letter of james yeah after all he said he concludes with this final command and exhortation to make sure we're watching out for believers who are wandering Mm-hmm. And again, this is an unfortunate reality that takes place. And Brother Chris and I, being pastors, we have noticed this probably quite often in our pastoral ministries. Right. It's probably something that you listeners have seen 
in your own churches where you see a fellow believer wandering and drifting from the truth in the local church. And again, it is fascinating that this can happen, really stunning and astonishing, because believers are those who have been set free by the truth, as Mm -hmm. Jesus talks about in John 8. Believers are those who have embraced Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, as Christ talks about in John 14. And he even said in John 16 that believers possess the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. But even though all those things are true, we can still get off track and we can still wander away. And the reason for this is probably because it's pretty easy to do that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's very easy for us to drift off and backslide, and it's quite frankly a lot harder to stick with the truth and yeah. stay tethered to it. And obedience is just not easy. It's just not a walk in the park, and neither is holding fast to the truth, mm-hmm. whether that's the truth of the gospel, the scripture, or the Christian faith. And the Lord knows this about us. This is one reason that he gives us these instructions here. He knows that our hearts are prone to wander, as the great old hymn says. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's why the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews 2.1 that therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Right. Talking to believers there, saying we have a tendency, we have an inclination to drift slowly away from what we've heard. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we need to pay much closer attention. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of elaborated on, drifting here and wandering away from the truth is really dangerous because it typically happens gradually. And you end up drifting so far and you don't realize how far you've drifted. Mm-hmm. Much like a swimmer being dragged by the dangerous tide, the invitingly warm waters of deception and lies can drag us farther and farther from the shore of truth to the point where we are fatally far away. And actually, tragically, some drift so far from the shore of truth that they sink the ship of their faith beyond all hope of rescue. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. And this is in the New Living Translation. He says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Yeah. Saying they've drifted so far, their conscience isn't clean, that they have made a shipwreck of their faith. And in fact, there were some in Scripture who did this. Some people in Scripture who wandered very far away from the truth, Mm -hmm. such as Demas in the New Testament. (laughs) He's really not one of those popular characters, is he? You know, it was like, we know Peter, Paul, and, you know, James, and John, Andrew, some of these notable characters. And then there's Demas. He's almost like a footnote in the New Testament. But Demas, interestingly enough, is commended in the New Testament twice and condemned once. Mm -hmm. In Colossians and Philemon, two letters of Paul, he is mentioned as a co-laborer with Paul who sends hearty greetings to the recipients of Paul's letters. So he's in good standing. He's walking with the Lord. He is helping Paul in preaching the gospel and supporting him while he's in chains. But then when you turn 
to the last of Paul's letters, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Demas is said to have deserted Paul when he needed him the most. And the reason that is given there for his desertion is because he was in love with this present world. That's 2 Timothy 4.10. And so, the reason I bring that up is just to point out that if this drifting and wandering can happen to a close friend of the greatest apostle who ever lived, well, it can definitely happen to any of us. Right. And there's a number of ways that we can drift from the truth. We can just blatantly, first of all, embrace false teaching. That's happening a lot right now, I I believe. Uh, Especially like during the pandemic. I I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. noticed all of these different preachers uh, coming up. I wish, I I don't even know if I'm allowed to name some of them, but there's some of them I'd love to name even. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they they just jump up out of nowhere. They become big on social media. That's a big platform for them now. Correct. And uh, I can't believe how many times I've had to tell someone, why are you listening to yeah. someone that is, that is calling you really to put your, your country even? There's one fellow in general that, that oftentimes, you know, uses politics as his mm-hmm. platform for his faith, but he puts the politics above the faith. And I'm like, that's yeah. not where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a very dangerous thing. Uh, false teaching has always spread quickly like wildfire, but mm-hmm. really social media and media in general has just added fuel to those flames to spread it even quicker. Right. And really, it's just a sign of the times, you know. Paul mm-hmm. said in 1 Timothy 4, going back to, well, I mentioned 2 Timothy 4 earlier, but 1 Timothy 4. Um, Paul says that in later times, latter days, people will depart from the faith by devoting right. themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Yeah. So not just false teaching, but mm-hmm. uh, teaching of demons, the source of that right. false teaching. And we can devote ourselves to that. We can just hear something false and blatantly embrace it mm-hmm. and openly embrace it. That's one way we can drift. Another way we can drift, which contributes to the first, is by neglecting the continual study of God's Word. When we do not regularly expose ourselves to the truth, then we are regularly making ourselves vulnerable to lies. Right. And so we need to make sure we're getting a steady diet of God's Word in our daily devotions, and also as we sit under the faithful preaching of a good shepherd at a local church. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a third way we can drift from the truth is by living in contradiction to the truth. Right. When we say we believe something and we live in blatant contradiction to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we do that for a long time, sometimes we forget what we even believe. We forget the truth. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's a number of other ways that we can uh, drift from the truth. But those are just three that are pretty prevalent. Right. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about this, it reminds me, um, I've hiked a lot of miles, uh, sort of in your neck of the woods, Chris, yeah. um, over there at Lust Creek Wilderness in Southern Illinois, Shawnee National Forest. <laughs> and one thing I've learned about that tricky trail system up there is that you really need to stay on the designated trails. There's a lot of other paths that have been carved out by horses and hikers over the years. Many of them I found lead to nowhere, and most of them 
take you so far from the main trail that it's very difficult to find your way back. And I have, in fact, gotten lost up there more often than not (laughs) and have spent many hours trying to find my way. And when I got so frustrated with that, eventually I was like, you know what, I'm going to just go find me a map online, you know, look up the Forest Service, see if they've got a map. If there's service out there. (laughs) Well, no, this will, I knew there wasn't going to be no service up there. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. going home after exhausting myself, being like, all right, I'm going to print one out. Physical copy never fails. Oh, good uh, laminate that thing, you know. And then when I went back to Lust Creek with a map in hand and I mm-hmm. just followed it and stayed the course, I really saved myself a lot of time and trouble. Right. And, you know, I think that's a a pertinent illustration for this wandering that James is talking about, because unfortunately many believers in sin have forged their own paths Mm -hmm. and they've pursued other enticing paths and they have deviated from the guiding map of God's word Mm -hmm. and they've wandered from the main trail of truth. And what James is doing in telling us about this is he's, he's trying to save believers a lot of time and trouble by saying, look, you need to stick with the truth. You need to stay on course. And when your brothers and sisters get off course, you need to go after them. You need to help them get back on the right path. Right. Yeah. And and there's other people in scripture too, uh, you know, other than just Demas, but you know, some more, more prominent people that we've noticed in scripture that have gotten off course. Right. I mean, Simon Peter, uh, he was quite clearly a, a very strong leader amongst mm-hmm. the apostles uh, and, and worked very closely many times with Paul as well. Uh, and, and I don't know which one was more hard-headed, Paul or Simon Peter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, one day I can't wait to meet both of them and, and ask them that question. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but Simon Peter, he lost his way. Remember that time that he was talking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 21 through 23 here. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Man, what a horrible thing to hear from the mouth of our Lord and yeah, Savior right. Jesus to mm-hmm. to realize that you're being a hindrance. But he, he was getting off course there. What was he getting off course on was what Jesus said right there, that you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus didn't come to promote uh, Israel as a, a political uh, overlord. And, and to make that the kingdom, he came in to usher in the kingdom of God. Uh, and that was going to mm-hmm. start with the Jews, of course, because salvation is for the Jews first, but also for the Gentiles. He came to preach to the Jews so that the Jews could take out the gospel to the rest of this lost and dying world. But here Simon Peter is, he's, he's getting in the way of God's plan because he's not focused on the truth of what needs to happen but he's focused on his own desires. And that's something, you know, that's something we talked about early on in the book of James is that, you know, our, our, our 
desires uh you know those those conceive and and bring forth sin and sin brings forth death those evil desires right there and he was focused on himself but simon peter he didn't just mess up once and it was recorded in scripture so that's probably the worst of it to hear jesus say get behind me satan Mm -hmm. but remember that time in in galatians chapter two where he got into it with with paul and, and so remember, uh, Simon Peter was named Cephas by Jesus. And, yeah. and so here's what it says in verse 11 through 14 of Galatians 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul writing because he stood condemned. And this is why I, I wonder which one's more hard to yeah. overall. Yeah. <laughs> For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them. And this is important to remember this as we continue on so that even Barnabas was led astray by their Mm. hypocrisy. So his failure was leading others to failure as well. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, Mm. I said to Cephas before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And, and so, yeah, believers, though they're eternally saved by the blood of Christ, they can stumble off course many times. And yeah. and I would be a liar to tell you that I've never been like Simon Peter in this instance, or maybe right, even like Demas in some instances. I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly what it was that Demas did. But, but overall, there's been many times in my life where I had to look at myself and say, oh my goodness, I really yeah. am more focused on the world than mm-hmm. Christ. And it's not that I ever lost my salvation, but I lost my joy in my salvation mm-hmm. at that time because I was miserable walking uh, away from the will of God because that's my purpose is to be in the will of God. And so when I remove myself from the will of God, there's not much joy in that salvation uh, anymore, but it's important to to bring these ones that are stumbling off course, that are that are going by the wayside uh, in their faith. It's important to bring them back because, as we saw with Simon Peter, they can lead many people astray. And so we we look at that that portion right there in in verse nineteen, uh, you know, to and someone brings them back right? It's important to bring Mm -hmm. back our brothers and sisters in Christ because they can lead so many others astray while they're in that. For example, I'm I'm not going to get into a bunch of details of my life, but there was a point in my life as a Christian that I was going out to these college parties, uh, that I was doing all of the things that I said I would never do because of my faith. But then it was, as Brandon said, very gradual. You know, yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know, it started out with someone just insisting that I start drinking with them, and, and then I, I said, you know, no, no, no. Then it was yes, just a little bit. Then it was yes, just a lot. And before yeah. I knew it, it was just completely out of control, and I was in mm-hmm. the deep end, and I was losing all the energy I needed to to keep my head above water. And so, so I've been there and while I was there, man, I I was trying to drag everyone under the water with me. Mm -hmm. There were people that looked up to me that, uh, that I, you know, tried to reach out to that. I tried to talk to 
that looked at me and, and saw a hypocrite in their eyes, someone that they couldn't trust anymore because of what I had done. Uh, there was one one young lady one night as I was I was completely out of my mind. I I was drunk and I was walking down the sidewalk, and she had seen me in a different part of my life when I wasn't doing those things mm-hmm. on the college campus. And as I was walking down, she said, "Hey, I know you." And I was like, "Oh, cool! Someone recognizes me." And she said, "You're that Christian dude, aren't you?" She'd see me leading some Bible studies and, and things like that. And I said, yeah, that's me. And I thought it was so cool that she recognized me. And for a moment, I was really proud. And she looked me right in the eye. And she said, I knew you were all hypocrites. Oh, man. And that was like, it almost felt like God punched me in the face right there. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, because it was like a wake-up call. Like, how would I ever be able to witness to that young lady right there. How would I ever have been able to talk to her about Jesus at a, at a later date when all she looked at yeah. me now at that point was as a hypocrite? And who else is going to talk to her if not myself? Uh, but I removed myself from the equation in that in that instance where I could not reach out to her anymore. But as we try and get our brothers and sisters back, there is a way that we need to do it. And... And I like what Paul writes in Galatians 6.1. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I really love that Paul says that because sometimes we think the way to restore our brothers and sisters is to take the biggest 1611 King James Version Bible and, and... you know, drop it on the head. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Take and, a family Bible and do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Take the family or what they call those old pulpit Bibles. Oh man, we got so <laughs> oh, many. Yeah. We got so many of these, those old pulpit Bibles from, from the history of this church where I'm pastoring right now. And, and they're so huge and so clunky, yeah. but what, you know, for the longest time, people thought that what we need to do is we need to you know, beat the sin out of them, you know, yell at yeah. them and, and, and surround them and, and whatnot. But that really goes against scripture. We're supposed to restore people with a spirit of gentleness. Correct. And, and that doesn't mean that we don't stand in the truth or, or, you know, uh, take the truth out to bring gentleness in because we think that yeah. the truth is going to be too much, too heavy. Right, it's not compromise. Right, yeah. We just simply share the truth and say we're sharing the truth with you because I love you. And and so Brother Brandon would probably be the one to have to talk to me more than I would have to talk to him. But I know what he would do. (laughs) Say if I were were going astray, he, he would do what actually Jesus says, Matthew 18, 15. You know where he says, if a brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained uh, your brother. Now, that's that's focused more on someone sinning against someone. But it's also a good practice mm-hmm. in just in general when someone falls short, that's a brother or sister. I know that if I were to go out uh, and, and, you know, God forbid that this ha- ever happened to me. I'd never let this happen now. And, but I, I'm never going to say it, it can't happen to me because that's when the devil starts knocking at the door. But just say I decide to start hitting up the bars every weekend. Mm-hmm. And before too long, it becomes every day. 
and yeah. there's a problem. I, I can trust that my brother Brandon is going to be truthful with me, but in a loving manner. Hey, Chris, mm-hmm. get it together, man. You know, you're 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 stepping off course. He would he would even tell me probably I need to resign from my position, but in a in a loving way because I need mm-hmm. a time to to step aside and and to to get back on track for for Christ uh in in that time. I would I would have lost my leadership ability at that time. And so I already know what he'd say to me, and I know he would say that to me because he loves me and wants to see me do better. And so there's a way of doing it. It's it's yeah, better to right. do it, you know, one-on-one first. If you need to bring more people into it, you know, so be it. But do it one-on-one first and do it mm-hmm. with a spirit of, of gentleness. But what do you think about that, Brother Brandon? Yeah, that's really important that you brought that out, Brother Chris. And uh, just to elaborate on what you said earlier, um, I would probably be tempted to get a case of family Bibles dropped on your head from a helicopter. <laughs> if that ever happened, <laughs> one just wouldn't knock Loving, you down. I'd have to lovingly, have right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It'd have a, a little, uh, ribbon around it. Yeah. Um, but no, that is a really good point because, you know, when James says that we need to bring this wandering believer back, we can easily fall into the inclinations of our flesh and be, too aggressive with it. Yeah. Or or if maybe they've sinned against us in their wandering, we can try to get revenge and, you know, but as Paul said there in Galatians 6, we need to do it gently. Mm-hmm. We need to do it with humility and with brotherly love. And again, that's sort of expressed when we confront the wandering believer personally where mm-hmm. we discuss this fault between uh, between us, just between two people. But again, uh, just to elaborate on that again, uh, uh, once more, you know, James says what we need to do very simply with these wandering believers is bring them back. Right. And that's what you do for those that are your spiritual family. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can we see a wandering believer and just let them go? I mean, that, that's what we do for our fellow sheep. We go mm-hmm. after them. We, we get the church together, all members of the church together, and form a search and rescue team right. to like find these wandering believers and help mm-hmm. them come back to the truth. You know, when, when you have the heart of a shepherd, you, you have a heart for those wandering sheep. And the thing about it is, when believers wander from the truth, from the church, or from the Lord, rarely ever do they return on their own. Mm-hmm. Rarely ever do they have that experience of the prodigal son where they come to their senses on their own. Right. They need somebody to guide them. And in fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews chapter 3, I believe it was, where he said to exhort one another daily mm-hmm. uh, so that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And he actually is making the point there mm-hmm. that one of the ways God keeps us from being hardened by sin in our heart is through this this relationship of ongoing exhortation in the church where we keep one another accountable, where we go after those who are wandering and straying. And that's God's means. That's how he gets wandering sheep back, is through the correction and loving rebuke of the family of God. Mm -hmm. And there's a beautiful blessing that ensues when this happens, when 
a wandering believer is brought back into the fold and back to the truth. And James talks about that in the very last verse of his epistle, where he said, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Well, what does it mean that you will save his soul from death when you bring him back? Well, I got to confess, uh, this is one of the hardest sayings, in my opinion, in the letter of James, mm-hmm. um, because it almost seems like he's suggesting that we actually save people's souls through our mm-hmm. efforts, that we bring about the forgiveness of sins. But I really don't think that's what James is saying at all, because, of course, that's God's work alone, and nobody would agree with that more than James, as he has mm-hmm. made very clear throughout his epistle. I think instead what James is doing here is using a very strong word for ruin and destruction. Mm-hmm. Now, I may be wrong, but I believe he is saying that when we gracefully warn and rebuke a wandering believer, we save them in the sense that we prevent them from bringing further destruction upon themselves. Mm-hmm. Such a great destruction that it could be rightly referred to as the death of everything good in their lives. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, James' use of this strong terminology has warrant in the Old Testament as God basically says the same thing through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 21. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and read that for us now. Uh, the prophet, uh, God says through the prophet, if you warn the righteous person not to sin and he does not sin, He shall surely live because he took warning and you will have delivered your soul. Mm -hmm. And so it's a similar idea there. He's saying when you warn the righteous person who is in the wrong and they heed your counsel and they do not sin, then they shall live. They're not headed towards um, this symbolic death of everything that is in their lives. And so I think that's probably what James is saying here. But he also says that this act of retrieving a wandering believer is an expression of covering a multitude of their sins. And this goes back to what you're talking about in restoring them in a spirit of gentleness. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when we are warning and encouraging a wandering believer to return, we're not really holding all their sins against them or pointing our finger at them or placing ourselves on a pedestal above them. We're actually coming to them gently and forgiving and forgetting what they've done. Right. We're loving them anyway. We're not Mm -hmm. tolerating their sin. We're not compromising, as we said earlier. But we are loving them through this, and we're simultaneously warning them that the sins they're continuing in are sins for which Christ died, not only to forgive them of, but to set them free from. And I think that's an important thing to emphasize when we talk to those who are wandering. Like, hey, you know, Christ died for the sins you're committing, not so that you'd have liberty to continue in them, but so that you'd be set free. Mm -hmm. But they also need to be reminded that those sins are fully paid for by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's no no reason for us to punish them. There's no reason for them to engage in any self-punishment. That's only reason for them to live in the freedom that was purchased for them by the blood Mm -hmm. of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think too to to focus on 
on the part here about, you know, what happens when a believer does kind of go to the side uh, is that it's important to bring them back because uh, they can take a lot of people down that path of destruction with them. And that can even yeah. be, you know, the sort of death and understanding there that, you know, instead of leading others to life, they're leading others to death. And I do believe this too. I think God will only allow a believer to, to go so far before he says, you know what, you might be better off at home with me. Than, That's true. Than out yeah. on the streets. And, yeah. and so, um, you know, it, but this insistence for bringing back our wandering brothers and sisters needs to be sourced in our love for them, in our unconditional love for them, as Brother Brandon was saying, you know, that, that we need to bring them back and, and not hold what they did over them, not use it as yeah, a source right. of guilt to keep them in line, but let that mm-hmm. love, that godly, agape, unconditional love uh, be what but really helps them. And, and drags them out of that that stupor, and, and I like what Peter writes in First Peter four eight. I think it really kind of correlates with this in its understanding and its context. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And as he's saying that, who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and since love covers a multitude of sins, and, and you know Jesus, he died for us out of his love. While we were ignorant, while we were sinners, while we would have spat in his face given the chance, and, and yet he still sought us out uh, because he loves us and we are part of his creation. And we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, need to to love each other in that some way, in that same way that that we would reach out to one another uh, and and bring each other back when we're kind of falling to the wayside. And I like what this fellow once said to me, Brother Ed Lafferty, uh, he, he was the pastor uh, of the church that I'm pastoring now. He retired and he pastored this church for 37 years. Wow. I, I did an interview with him, uh, not, not, you know, towards the beginning of this podcast where he gave us his testimony and talked about his 37 years of ministry uh, over here in Southern Illinois. And he said, you know, in the, in that 37 years of ministry, there have been people that caused them grief. There have been people that that treated him badly, that ran his names through the mud, you know, yada, yada, yada. Brother Brandon, you understand, uh, you know, how, oh, yeah. how that is overall in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and so 37 years, there were people that didn't like him and brothers and sisters that, that went astray too uh, and didn't like it when he came after them. But he said this thing after all of that. He said, but if I can give you any encouragement, love them anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Love them anyway. And, and man, that really stuck with me because, you know, it's easy to look at a brother or sister that is fallen to the wayside. Maybe they haven't sinned against us, but they're just getting involved in sin. They're, they're focusing too much on the world. It's easy to say, you know what? It's not hurting me any. Let me you know, let me just stay in my lane. But that's not what we're called to do in scripture. We're called to chase after our brothers and sisters because we love them. And so it's not love to ignore their problems. It's love to get involved and and get them back on track uh, for the will of God. And and so 
uh, I think it's very important to chase after our brothers and sisters because we love them. I think it's very important to forgive our brothers and sisters when what they're doing wrong is against us. Why? Because we love them. There have been many people in our lives that have wronged us, uh, especially, say, a, a blood relative wrongs us. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely, what are we going to end up doing? Forgiving them because they're our family. We, we might not trust them or, or anything like that throughout the years, but we're going to forgive them and, and say, you know what? I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm going to continue on with my life and I'm going to continue being a part of your life. Well, guess what? Our church family, our spiritual family is vastly more important than our blood family and how precious it is when our blood family is a part of that, uh, you know, spiritual family. But, but overall, our brothers and sisters in Christ were to show preference for, were to love, and were to chase after them the way that Jesus has chased after us. And, and so, do you have any last thoughts on that, Brother Brandon, before we dismiss? Yeah, I would just ask all of our listeners to ponder a couple of questions as we are thinking about these practical instructions from James, these final instructions from James, where he tells us to go after wandering believers. Let me just ask our listeners, maybe you've been listening to this and you realize that you have wandered from the truth. Mm-hmm. Will you come back? Will you come back to the truth? Will you come back to the Lord Jesus Christ if you have wandered? And then another question I would ask is, if you are continuing in the truth, who do you know? in your life that has indeed wandered from the truth? And will you chase after them in love? Will you be a doer of the word and not a hearer only? As a result of hearing these instructions, will you obey them and go after those wandering believers? Yes. Well, Chris, this has been a an amazing study. Yeah. Um, a great yeah. final uh, <laughs> exposition of James. And uh, we have really learned a lot. And, you know, I can't think of a better letter or epistle in the Bible to launch this podcast with. Uh, mm-hmm. Because this is all about living for Jesus every hour of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's what the letter James is all about. Right. That real faith mm-hmm. that is lived out and manifested in real life. And we hope that all of our listeners have uh, received a blessing from each of these episodes. Um, we're going to be starting some new studies here. Um, in the future, and we hope that you'll tune into those. Um, But for now, we just want to give thanks to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask for His grace and strength to help us Mm -hmm. obey these great things that we've learned in the letter of James. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us the letter of James. And we thank you for these very practical and powerful instructions that we've been able to humbly receive. Uh, We thank you for teaching us about the heart, about the life, about our speech, and about everything that is required of us for living out our real faith, all from this great letter. And we thank you for these final instructions, where you instruct us to go after these wandering believers in love and to help them come back to the truth. And Father, we pray that you would prevent us, by your grace, from becoming wayward, Help us to stay close to the truth and stay tethered to it and help us in a spirit of grace and gentleness to restore those believers who've wandered. 
And Father, we pray you might empower and bless all of our listeners. Help them to live faithfully for Jesus the next 168 hours of the week. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.